Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as the only person in Silicon Valley who's not afraid of Marguerite Vestager, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today, we're going to play a live interview I recently did with Vestager, Europe's commissioner for competition. We spoke at the South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. I have interviewed her many times before, but let's take a listen to this one. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I've, doing, I've done a lot of events to, at South by Southwest, um, and, but this is one of my favorites. I've interviewed you, met Commissioner Vester, many times um, over the years. And one of the things I would have to say is we t- talked a couple, many years ago, before a lot of the election stuff that was happening in the U.S. and across the globe with mm-hmm. Facebook and other companies. And one of the things that is really clear is she was very prescient about their, the damage that some of these companies could do. It was sort of at a very high time for these companies. And so I have to say, a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of what you've said has come true. So I think I'm very excited to think, hear, talk about what you think is coming next. Let's begin talking about something that's going on in this country because it's starting regulatory scrutiny is starting for the companies of the U.S. by U.S. regulators. For the most part, the U.S. has abrogated its responsibility of regulating most of these companies in the interest of allowing them to get enormous and create innovation. So yesterday or two days ago, Elizabeth Warren, one of the candidates for for the Democratic uh, side of the election against uh, President Trump, put out a really a pretty tough proposal to regulate big tech. I'd love to know what you think of those and how you, how you looked at, at her various proposals. Well, first of all, I think the good thing is that now the debate is really sort of taking off. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I've been visiting and speaking with people on the Hill previously, I've sensed the new sort of interest and, and curiosity as mm-hmm. to what can competition achieve for you mm-hmm. uh, in a society. Uh, because if you have fair competition, then you have markets uh, serving the citizen mm-hmm. in our role as consumer and not the other way around. And when it comes to sort of the some very far-reaching uh, proposal to split up companies, uh, for us, from a European perspective, that would be sort of a measure of last resort. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we do now, uh, we do the antitrust cases, uh, misuse of dominant position, the tying of products, uh, the self-promotion, demotion of others, um, to see if that approach will uh, correct and change the marketplace 
to make it a fair place mm -hmm. where uh, there is no misuse of dominant position, but where competitors, smaller competitors, ha can have a fair go. Mm -hmm. Uh, because they may be the next, uh, the next big one, the next one with the greatest idea for consumers. Mm -hmm. So you don't think breaking up is the way to do it. Explain why a little more, why you think breaking up is last resort. You want to try other things first. Well, because it's, it's very far-reaching. Mm -hmm. uh, we're dealing with, uh, with uh, private property, mm -hmm. uh, businesses that are built and invested in and uh, have become successful because of their innovation. So to break up, uh, a company uh, to break up private property would be very uh, far-reaching. Mm -hmm. And you would need to have a very strong case that it would produce better results uh, for consumers in the marketplace mm -hmm. uh, than what you could do with sort of more mainstream tools. And so talk about how those tools have worked. Now, some people feel um, one of the other proposals, I talked to Senator Klobuchar, Amy Klobuchar, who's also running for president, mm -hmm. a couple um, days ago before that, she had asked the FTC to renew the Google investigation over its use of market dominance, mm -hmm. which they kind of sailed through the FTC here years ago and didn't were investigated and nothing happened. You had a different outcome with mm -hmm. them in Europe. Talk about that, with, that, that this is another you know, presidential candidate who's talking about these issues. Yeah, you know, we're, we're quite busy in the day job doing our own cases, so we do not sort of uh, uh, try to correct or do better with our colleagues uh, mm -hmm. because they know perfectly well their marketplace. But one of the things that I find to be very interesting is the initiative by Joe Simons, mm -hmm. uh, the new head of the FTC, to do a number of hearings, a sort of, a, as I see it, a, a stock-taking exercise to see, well, what is... Uh, what is the state of the marketplace right now? Mm -hmm. We do something similar. We have done uh, sort of an, an e-commerce sector inquiry to see how is e-commerce doing in Europe. Uh, we have that produced a number of cases where we see businesses uh, do geo-blocking, uh, not serving consumers as they should. So in some respects, we have a parallel uh, development, except of course for the very basics that we have had now we're in the process of the last of three Google cases. We've had one Amazon case already. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had the tax cases with Apple, with uh, Amazon. Uh, we have now the new or sort of very preliminary uh, looking into Amazon's use of data more broadly. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, we're also kind of sort of hoovering over uh, social media, uh, Facebook, how data is being used in that respect. How the, so that's a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of cases, that, and there's none in the U.S. right now. Are you cooperating with the Trump administration on any of this, or do you do any? You have had done a lot more cooperation previously or not? Or Well, we always uh, cooperate, and that it's the same thing. Uh, we have, I think, a very strong uh, working relationship, uh, not only with... Uh, my colleagues and myself uh, will meet on a regular basis, uh, but also on team level, mm -hmm. uh, when we have the necessary uh, waivers from companies, we would uh, compare notes, uh, discuss uh, theories of harm in order to inspire one another, uh, of course, always recognizing different jurisdictions and different cases, mm -hmm. but to be able to, to, to share what we think. Mm -hmm. uh, because as in any other business, uh, it makes uh, good sense to discuss with well, colleagues. Well, these are also global businesses. It is indeed. And so how, would, how does that work now? Is it, is it the same level of cooperation? Yeah, give or take, I would say so. You yes. would say so. And what, when you think about the idea that these are global 
companies, how can you not work all together as a group? Or do you feel it just has to be in different marketplaces of how these things are regulated? Well, I'd say we do. Um, we don't have a global uh, regulator. Mm-hmm. I think it would take uh, some time and we, would, we need to do much more before we would ever, ever get there. Mm-hmm. So what we do is that we have uh, an international competition uh, network. Mm-hmm. It's 130 uh, jurisdictions or law enforcers coming together. Very low on protocol, but very high on substance. So we discuss a lot... Uh, trying to inspire, um, to give impulses. Well, how can things be seen where you work compared to where we work? Second, uh, of course, is when our legislator uh, is doing things that will change the marketplace. Like uh, last year uh, in Europe, we had uh, what you can call sort of digital citizen rights, Mm -hmm. that I know my day, I I own my data, Mm -hmm. I can move my data, uh, I can be forgotten. Uh, just to mention three things, uh, it's, it's very encouraging to see that inspiring uh, legislation in California mm-hmm. uh, being talked about, I think, around uh, in the, the US, uh, privacy. Yes. They're not going to do right to be forgotten. I think that's not going to be something that will ever pass in this country. But when, you, when you're trying to inspire them to do those kind of privacy bills, there is no national privacy bill in the United mm-hmm. States. There's one in California yes. that will go in place in 2020, which many people don't think has enough teeth to it compared to the European legislation. Well, I'd say also in in Europe, we still have some way to go uh, because as, you know, I really appreciate having rights. I would be even happier if if I could exercise them Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, because I know I own my data, but I really do not know how to exercise that ownership, Mm -hmm. how to allow for more people to have access to my data if I want to enable uh, innovation, new market participants uh, coming in. If that was done in large scale, uh, you could have sort of an, an innovative uh, input into the marketplace, and we're definitely not there yet. So one of the things uh, Senator Klobuchar talked about was the idea of taxing companies for their use of data when they moved it to third parties or when mm-hmm. they used it for other things than was initially said. And, you know, there's, case, there's example after example of these companies, oh, we use your data for this, or mm-hmm. Google, oh, we put a camera in this that we didn't tell you about, or oh, we you know, oh, by accident, oops, we, we gave it to Cambridge Analytica and they used it for nefarious mm-hmm. things. And it's always, oops, and I'm sorry, and then we had no idea that this was being used. And one of her proposals is they get taxed every time this, this happens. Another proposal is for people to get paid for their data, that if they, mm-hmm. you're using your data and they make $10 off of you, the consumer gets a few dollars of that money. That we see, I think it's, it's still nascent in Europe, uh, but since now we have the rights that establishes your ownership of your data, we see there is a beginning sort of um, um, market development of intermediaries saying, should I, uh, should I enable you yourself to monetize your data mm-hmm. so it's not just the giants who monetize your data? Mm-hmm. Um, so that maybe you get a sum every month uh, reflecting uh, how your data has been passed on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is one uh, opportunity. Second, from a competition point of view, we are trying to figure out, well, how to make sure that huge amounts of data will not be a barrier to entry mm-hmm. in a marketplace mm-hmm. or will serve as only you who are holding the data being able to innovate. Mm-hmm. But I, as a newcomer, do not have access to data, which means that it will be extremely difficult to do innovation and to develop services. Right. So you're leaving your office in how many months? 
Oh, I don't count that. That would be discouraging. <laughs> Just soon, though. Uh, I'll be done by 1st of November. 1st of November. One of the things that's been really interesting over the years is how much the big tech companies really dislike you um, uh, and find you to have been too uh, harsh on them. How would you assess your, uh, your tenure? Well, and if, what are the successes? Well, if, what are if your that biggest? is true, which oh, I true. doubt, but if yeah. that is true, I should you know, take that like as a batch of honor. Yeah. Um, but uh, but if it is true, I think they sort of underestimate the team effort. Mm -hmm. uh, because yes, I may be gone by 1st of November, mm -hmm. but there will be a new one and there will be a team uh, and a second team and a third team and a fourth team. Um, because I think what we do is a reflection of the facts that we want our democracies to set the direction for our society mm -hmm. and not for the businesses to set the direction for our society. Mm -hmm. How do you think they've done at setting the direction for our society? I think so far they have done very well. They've done very well yes. financially. But how do you think they've done in, in being responsible for the data and information they have? Well, we have seen interference in uh, national elections, mm -hmm. uh, referendums. Uh, we have seen... Uh, a lot of data breaches. Mm -hmm. uh, we have seen a lot of, um, well, an economy that is shifting quite a lot uh, into a use of data that is unprecedented. We're in the middle of a, a revolution, a technological industrial revolution. And I think as societies, we have quite a lot of catching up to do uh, to get in control. Mm -hmm. uh, just as we had it back in the days where we had uh, sort of the industrial revolution of uh, chemistry uh, when pesticides and all of that became, you know, uh, the big guy in, uh, in town. Mm -hmm. People thought that you could do amazing things, uh, just spraying everything, adding everything to, to products. It took some time before we realized that we had to get in control because mm -hmm. otherwise it would be damaging for our ability to reproduce, for clean drinking water, all of that. Now we're, you know, to a very large degree in control of that. And I think we want to be, to do the same thing. Uh, in my own home country, we had a lot of discussions about uh, chemicals in uh, feeding bottles. Mm -hmm. Huge discussions, you know, people say, I'd never ever have my baby have a feeding bottle, but you have no second thought in giving them an iPad. Right. Well, I have second thoughts, but then they get it anyway. But, um, but, but, but why is that? What, where do you think the awareness is? Is it because of the addiction of it? Or what, what, where, what do you attribute it to? Well, I think that the scandals, they triggered a lot of second thoughts. Mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden, it was as uh, a sort of the snooze button of the wake-up call had disappeared. Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, they're in your face. Something will have to be done about this. Of course, we need to have more knowledge. Uh, about what they do in the marketplace, which uh, me and my, uh, what uh, the teams and I are doing, what they do when it comes to addictions, what it comes to do with fake news, what it has to do with interfering in elections. We're going to take a quick break now, but we'll be back after this with European Commissioner for Competition, Marguerite Vestager. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. 
Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Do you imagine, what, as you look upon, what are the, you think the key attributes of your tenure have been? What are the, you think the most important cases? Talk about a few of them. Well, first of all, a lot of people don't see sort of what is under the water, the iceberg under the water. We still do a lot of things with quite traditional businesses mm -hmm. because concentration in those businesses is also a problem. Mm -hmm. If there's no one you can turn to uh, when it comes to the price of uh, cement, well, then it reflects, it's reflected in the construction business, and that's important as well. So we have a lot of things to do in steel, copper, uh, cements, uh, also the food industry. Uh, we have a number of um, uh, agrochemical mergers. All of that is very important for us because they will also digitalize, one. And second, if first they are concentrated without competition, we will see the effects. Uh, that being said, I think that the digital cases, but also the, the tax cases, right. uh, means a lot. Because we cannot have societies where only we as citizens pay taxes, and then all the many, many smaller businesses contribute. Mm -hmm. It must be so that if you do business in a country and you create value in a country, you also tax in that country. Mm -hmm. Now, what, there was just a statistic that Google pays more in fines to you than taxes, is that right? Well, I haven't done the math, but it's not unlikely. Yeah, so it is, it's true they, that they do. How do you change the tax system? Now, again, that's being discussed now mm -hmm. in this country with a, a number of people are bringing up Elizabeth Warren, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, is being discussed, the idea of not just companies paying more, but wealthy citizens, many of whom run the tech companies mm -hmm. who happen to be the billionaires of the moment. How do you look on those efforts, the idea of changing tax systems. How, how much of an uphill climb has that been for you? Well, it may be an uphill climb, but it's urgent to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, we have, um, when you do sort of numbers that, that can be compared, we see that digital businesses, they would pay on average 9%, where traditional businesses on average pay 23%. Yet they're in the same market for capital, for skilled employees, uh, sometimes competing for the same customers. So obviously this is not fair. Mm -hmm. uh, so my colleague Pierre Moscovici is uh, head of this work. Uh, so we have tabled a proposal to change this. Mm -hmm. In order for corporate taxation to understand as a concept how value is created in a digital world, uh, what it means to have a presence in a digital world. Unfortunately, we've had a lot of um, what do you say, resistance to that, mm -hmm. which means that now individual uh, member states in, in, uh, in the Union, uh, in Europe, they're moving forward. Mm -hmm. France will uh, implement uh, digital taxation this year. Yes, talk, I, I want to get to that, but go yes. ahead. Yeah. And, 
And I think that is, uh, I think is absolutely necessary, but it's very unfortunate uh, because then you get a much more fragmented picture, gets much more sort of unpredictable. Uh, how will the system work? Seen from the business side of things, mm -hmm. how will the system work? How for that to be predictable? Um, so, of course, we hope that these individual pushes will make a, a European-wide uh, way of doing things. And, of course, for the OECD to push forward for this. Mm -hmm. Because we sense in the OECD that uh, a number of places uh, in the world take an interest, also in the U.S. side of things. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the Texas, there was that famous exchange at Davos this year with, and I'm blanking on his name, the historian who was arguing uh, about the idea that taxes are the way to get this to happen rather than fines. Um, you can levy all the fines you want and they can afford them. The Googles, mm -hmm. and they have money in their closet that they can just pull out and hand you, they don't care. Um, how, is that the better way to do it, to like create a, 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 more, a more equitable tax system on these companies? Or will you just be fining them into the next century? No. You, you get a fine when you do something illegal. Mm -hmm. you, you pay your taxes to contribute to the society where you do your business. Mm -hmm. And these are two different things, and I think we definitely need both. But we cannot have a situation where some businesses do not contribute and the majority of businesses, they do. Because it's simply not fair mm -hmm. uh, in the marketplace or fair towards citizens if, if this continues. Mm -hmm. Do you imagine, one of the things they also argue against is the idea that GDPR and other laws that are being passed in Europe or regulations mm -hmm. are easier for large companies. So you're advantaging large, that's their argument right mm -hmm. now, you're advantaging large companies. And I've heard this from the top executives at Facebook and Google and other places, is that they, we can, we have as many lawyers as you want. We're great. We're fine with, you can le levy all the different rules and laws and everything you want because we are advantaged and it pushes down smaller companies who may not have the capabilities. That's been one of the, like, why we shouldn't have your laws. Well, we have sort of made different brackets as mm -hmm. to what you are obliged to do. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a small business and you do electricity installation or you do woodwork or whatever you do, well, of course, you don't have the same obligations mm -hmm. as Google mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to how to deal with your customer register, when you can send them an email to say, I have a new promotion for you to do this and that. So we have different brackets so that the small guy don't have the same responsibility as the big guy. Mm -hmm. I'd say if they find it easy, I think they can do better. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I still find that it's quite tricky to understand what it is that you accept when you accept your terms and conditions. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it would be great if we as citizens uh, sort of really could see, oh, this is what I'm signing up to, mm -hmm. and, and I'm perfectly happy with that. Mm -hmm. uh, I myself very often, you know, end up, even though I think I have five minutes to try to understand, I, I sign off and still I don't really know. What do you use now? What, do you, what, what else would you use? There, there hasn't been in Europe, an, what is the alternative for, for Europeans around there? Why hasn't there been another company to match Google, for example, or to match Amazon? It, it, it is tended towards largeness and they own, I mean, Snapchat is struggling. Um, mm. Lots of, maybe not in China, WeChat is doing just fine. But in, in Europe, there's not an alternative. What do, you, what do you use to search right now? Uh, right now, I use a French uh, thing, which is called Quant. Mm -hmm. 
they are very strong in everything connected with culture, but in general, it works perfectly well for me. Mm-hmm. There's a German thing as well called clicks, mm-hmm. uh, which will also both will make sure that you're not being tracked. Right. So you have a lot more privacy than you would have with the, the gigantic uh, competitors. Do you use Google at all? Uh, it happens, but rarer and rarer. But what would you use them for? What would you use them for? Well, mostly I would use them to see if they changed. Okay. <laughs> and? No. Um, what, do you use them for maps? Do you use them for mail, for anything like that? No, I don't. Because? Uh, because I find that I have better alternatives that provides me with more privacy. More privacy. And what about Facebook? I have a Facebook page, but it has sort of grown into something where it's my Twitter feed that feeds my Facebook. Okay, and, you're tw- and you use Twitter? I do. Why is that? Because um, you enjoy the cesspool that has become? No, but I come from a very small party, and uh, when Twitter was all new, we said, oh, wow, not only it's new, it's for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ain't free, but go ahead. No, but, you know, we don't have much money, so right. uh, we entered into this, I was miserable uh, in the start. Uh, but then we sort of got the hang of it and I got used to it. And the thing is that in the beginning, you wouldn't find as much hatred mm-hmm. uh, as in Facebook. Right. Uh, because the 140 characters seem to put a lid to that. Mm-hmm. I think it has changed. I think the haters, they, they get accustomed also to 140 characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sort of was, was one of the things I very much appreciate that you could have an interaction, but it was very often on substance or with a sense of humor or, or irony. Mm-hmm. And what do you, do you use Nest or, or Amazon Echo or any of the, the in-home devices that they have? Definitely not. Okay, <laughs> and why? I well, want why, to... why would you? I don't know, you might need a recipe, know how much butter is in an ounce or whatever. Uh, yeah, and, and with that, you would pay with, with your life? Yes. <laughs> what, what do you think that's going to happen as things move into the house? I'm trying to get the idea of what you think these are way too invasive, all these things, as they move in. Well, one of the things that really is sort of mind-boggling for us is how to have choice if you have voice. Right. Because if you ask a device, uh, I would like to, to change for summer tires. Mm-hmm. Uh, where to go, then you would be very, way too impatient to listen into five different offers that they could have room for you. Uh, yeah, voice search is a big deal. Yes. So how to have competition when you have voice search? You don't. That's the point. Yeah. So how would this change the marketplace and how would we deal with such a market? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is what we're trying to figure out. We're trying to figure out well, how access to data will change the marketplace. Can you give a different access to data? Because the one who holds the data also holds the resources for innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we cannot rely on the big guys to be the innovative ones. Mm-hmm. How do you, do you think they have changed with your influence, these companies? These, what is your relationship now with the Googles, the Facebooks, the Amazons? Relationship and relationship. I don't know, compared to what? Compared to anyone, like, do you have one? Do you feel like they've been listening to you? Do you feel like what you've been saying to them has sunk in, or do they continue? Well, yes, indeed, we do have a relationship. Right. Uh, and and we it's not work. like, oh God, she's headed here again. Here she comes again, kind of thing. 
Well, this is, it's, the, it's the U.S. Everyone here is very polite. Right. <laughs> What part of the U.S. do you go to? <laughs> Just here, perhaps. No, but you, you, you really do appear quite kind. Yeah, we really aren't. Um, so, uh, maybe compared to the Dutch or whoever, the Dutch are always telling me they're rude. Um, so, you appear quite polite, but how do you think you've changed their minds within these companies or changed the leadership's minds about what they've been doing? Well, Or are I, you a nuisance to them? Do you still feel? Well, you're... I think it's I think it's quite difficult to know, right? Uh, because it's difficult to see what are their future strategies. How are they going to relate uh, to all the citizens who are their users? Mm-hmm. Because that's the, that it's not the relationship with me or my teams that's the important point. The important point is what do they think about the people uh, that are not only users but also part of their production. Mm-hmm. How are they going to relate to us uh, in the future? Uh, as citizens who use the service or as part of a production machinery, uh, as part of the way to monetize, uh, to build uh, a still more impressive advertising business? And I think that's the sort of the more strategic uh, for themselves. Uh, now with the Facebook uh, announcement, I think they call it the pivot to privacy. Whatever. Uh, if that is being no, I really think read my column. It's but if they if they appalling if they implement it, what if they implement if yeah. they do take action? Yeah, I think that is a sign of something changing. Why do you think this memo? Mark Zuckerberg wrote it. He's first of all merging essentially merging what's uh, all his things: WhatsApp, um, Instagram, and Facebook in one unholy mush. And then he's now decided that he would like to be Snapchat. I think pretty much that's what he's decided that that's the better business for him in this environment. What did you think when you read that? I know you're thinking good intentions. Suddenly he's seen the light. Well, I think well the first step to change is good intentions. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> the road to hell is, but go ahead. <laughs> Paved with them apparently. So good intentions that you do you do you take him as word that he think that this is I think it's I wrote a column today saying mm-hmm. it's all about data. He's seen the data. Young people cannot stand the big bloated blue app anymore, and they don't want to contribute to it. And so they and they're interested in privacy and they're interested in other issues. Mm-hmm. And so he's seen the numbers and he's decided now to pivot into a new business where he can presumably figure out a way to make a lot of money doing that. But. A number of things of what you're saying is good. It's good that people uh, make up their mind. Do we want to contribute here? Do we want to pay with our data for this service, or don't we want to do that? Right. And it's good if there then is a market response that respects. Oh, they want something else. Right. They want privacy. They don't want to pay in this big sums with their data for a service that they don't find is worth it. Do you trust this company with your privacy? If they've decided, they've decided to say now we really value privacy. A company that is over and over again oh, but, violated. But no change comes with saying it. Right. It's like you know, I'll never eat these Belgian chocolates again. Right. Okay. Only when I've kept that promise for weeks and weeks and weeks is anything that anyone should believe. I guess what I'm asking is, you think it's a sincere shift in attitude towards that this is important, or is it just a business? You, you care. You don't care which way it is. Well, I care, but when I take note of, of this promise, I say, well, we take note, but when you put it into real life, then, of course, it's something. Because right. then users will have a different, uh, not only user experience, but I also have a different product 
that mm-hmm. respect their privacy. Mm-hmm. When you're speaking of competition, one of the areas they're moving into is there's several different services like mm-hmm. this, Snapchat in this country at least, and it is, it is in Europe also. They're moving directly into someone else's business, a rival's business. How do you protect the competition if that's the case? It's weird when Microsoft moved into AOL's business, if you remember, mm. they decided to get into the, with a, with a product that failed, obviously, because it was a terrible product. Mm. Um, but they tried to move in and use their advantages to top, skip, and jump into it. But the, Google, the first Google case is a good example of this. Yeah. Because here you have someone trying to uh, put themselves into the shopping comparison business. Right. The first Google product didn't Which was work. Appeal. This, this was, they yes, appealed. Yes, it's appeal, but just the mechanisms. Right. Uh, the first Google products uh, in shopping comparison, it didn't work. Right. So they called in... Uh, Frugal. That was yes, Frugal. Yeah. Yes. So they called in sort of the big guns, the search. Mm-hmm. And then and they recreated their own product, and then they promoted that product. Mm-hmm. So it would be the first thing you saw. And they demoted their competitors, their rivals, yes. on average to page four. Mm-hmm. Anyone ever been there on average, page four, search results? No. 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 You can go, my secrets are there. It's because it's an absolutely safe place. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that shows sort of the mechanism. If you're a dominant company or you have a lot of muscle in the marketplace, you can promote yourself uh, to the detriment of your competitor. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, is the kind of thing that we will look into. And what we have learned from the first Google case is that if something is happening, we want to learn about it fast because speed is of the essence here. Mm-hmm. Do you, but I'm saying, do you imagine that they have seen the light? I want, I, from your reading, the first, you're just going to wait and see. But seeing lights is a religious thing. Right. Doing business and making money, it's another, bit, mm-hmm. another thing. Mm-hmm. But sincerity, you feel that this thing was sincere, that we are going to actually match Privacy matters to us now. When, when you do what you say you do. Okay. All right. You're going to wait and see. I don't believe them from the get-go. Um, so so I, I, I don't believe... I wait and see if they actually do something good. Yes. I assume the worst. I'm going to assume the worst because I think that's... So far, so it's been that way. Well, it may be a little far-reaching to assume the best. Okay. All right. Okay. That's a nice way. But, <laughs> see, that's a really polite way of putting it, uh, Commissioner. Um, so I want to talk about a few other things, and we want to get some questions from the audience. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do next? What is your next thing? Well, I have asked to have another mandate mm-hmm. as competition commissioner. Mm-hmm. Um, not with big applause from the people who would uh, promote that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have learned that you have nothing if you don't ask for it, not even a no. Mm-hmm. So, what so it remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. But if you didn't do that, what would you be interested in doing? Well, I have one of the many privileges in my life is that I have been allowed to work with something that makes sense for me. Mm-hmm. I've been serving uh, uh, citizens in numerous uh, different uh, post, uh, positions. So that would be sort of the thing for me to look for. A thing in the same area and the idea of privacy and or competition? Oh, on that I have a completely open mind because I've seen that sometimes, you know, uh, planning, it worked like blinders. Mm-hmm. But the next best, best thing is out here. Mm-hmm. You, wanna, you, you don't want the, the blinders of sort of, of planning. And running for office? 
Well, I'm kind of running for office because just asking to have the next mandate, you'll have to be approved by the European Parliament, and of course, but that would be the first hurdle mm -hmm. uh, to be named by the Danish government. Right, but I'm talking about office in your own country. Do you imagine doing more oh, there? Oh, maybe eventually. Uh, I, I really, really, really uh, think I will be an old woman, mm -hmm. really old woman, not, not as I'm now. So plenty of time to do that uh, because I've been very careful. I have never burned any bridges because Danish politics is, is, is quite good. Mm -hmm. Do you imagine ever running the country? No. Why is that? Uh, because I'm from a very small party and that would be a sort of a real sort of historical glitch mm -hmm. if that was ever to happen. It has only happened once that someone from my party was running it. We're going to take another break now. We'll return to this conversation with Marguerite Vestager after this. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. couple more things around where we're going. If you had to think of where we're going to be in five years and 10 years with a lot of these companies, what would be your worst case scenario be and your best case scenario for each of those? Say 10 years out. Because these companies are only 20 years old or, or less, 10 to 20 years old. Well, best case, a couple of things would happen at the same time. First and foremost, that our legislator would be willing to take sufficient steps, both in taxation and in regulating uh, access uh, to data and fairness uh, in the marketplace, as was just done in Europe with the Business to Platform uh, agreed proposal to 
put in not only fairness and transparency, but also responsibility uh, on the big guy uh, to be available if things have to change. And we would also need to see uh, technology develop to have new players, uh, because we still have sort of, we still need to see what will happen with quantum computing, uh, what will AI. happen with uh, blockchain, what other AI, uses robotics. are there for all of that new technology. Mm -hmm. uh, because I still think that it holds a lot of promise. Mm -hmm. But only if sort of our democracy will give it direction, mm -hmm. then you will have a positive outcome. What's your worst case scenario? That we have all the technology, but none of the societal uh, sort of positive oversight and, uh, and direction for our societies. Is there one upcoming technology that you're more worried about? Self-driving, AI, robotics, automation, replacing body parts, brains? Well, we have a lot of uh, robotics and automation and uh, uh, I think self-driving cars is, well, it's here, only not in full scale. Uh, I would wish for uh, AI to be developed human scale mm -hmm. so that we always make sure that it's someone that serves our purposes mm -hmm. and that we can have uh, human oversight. And then, of course, there's a huge risk that AI just reproduces the biases that we have already. Mm -hmm. it, it does, because of the yes. lack of diversity in creating it, too. Yes. Um, is, that in, is that something that, that you are already thinking about? Regulatory uh, My frameworks? colleagues, uh, it's not with me. We have been subcontracting. Uh, they're in the process of finalizing sort of uh, their non-binding yet, but still I think they are the first uh, guidelines for a trustworthy AI. Mm -hmm. Because we try to sort of uh, think long-term that maybe you would think, ah, oh, uh, this will be difficult. How to develop uh, AI if I have to make it trustworthy? Uh, but the point is to say that if we're not being very careful, then people will revolt against it mm -hmm. and find that it is not serving our purposes. Right. It is serving other purposes. Right. So for AI to be a real thing, we think it's very important here, relatively early days, to make sure that we have an ethics uh, framework. Last question. Where do you see innovation in Europe? Because there hasn't been a giant company of, of the size mm -hmm. of Facebook, Google, Amazon, and the, and the Chinese companies, all the WeChats and everyone mm -hmm. else. Why has that not happened in Europe? There's been Spotify, there's mm -hmm. been a couple, there's been a couple yeah. companies, but nothing of a massive scale. Is there a reason for that? Do you yes. imagine? Is there too much regulation? Is there, is the, no. what is happening? Uh, three points in that, because we discussed that a lot. Right. Uh, one thing is that the ecosystem, which is a very lively, interesting ecosystem that has developed uh, very interesting businesses. A lot of that business has been sold to the digital giants. Right. Uh, one could be DeepMind, that mm -hmm. is now a Google a property, uh, doing amazing thing actually with UK public data on health. Right. Uh, so that's the reason for it. So, but we have the ecosystem. We have the the people with the bright ideas, uh, the entrepreneurs, uh, all kind of of uh, very skilled people. But we we have been missing out on two things. One, to have a digital single market. Mm -hmm. so that you can think scale from the very initial uh, starting point that we have now and are developing. And the second thing is to have a capital market that works for you. Uh, because I really envy the way it works here, where a lot of businesses will go to the marketplace, uh, they would find capital and they would find new competences.
Because very often with, with money comes someone who will provide you with what you need in order really to scale your business. Right. In Europe, the Expertise. tradition... Yeah, in, in, in Europe, the tradition is much more going to the bank and create debts. Mm -hmm. And we would want a development of our uh, capital market to be the same. Mm -hmm. That you go in the marketplace, you sell 5-10% of your business, you get on board someone who will allow you to get the drive really to scale it. Mm -hmm. and, and this we have been in the process of making over the last uh, five years and we're starting to see it taking off. Are there other governors that keep it back? Because it really is an astonishing display of, of not enough innovation. That some people in the U.S. say there's too much regulation, there's too much uh, risk, the risk tolerance is too low, um, that there's not a mentality of entrepreneurship. Do you disagree with this? Well, we are indeed different. Mm -hmm. uh, but I but don't... you like privacy too much? All of that. But, right. um, but I don't think it's that. Um, you know... Europe is, is, is an amazing place. We have made it so far since, uh, since the Second World War when things were, you know, Europe was destroyed mm -hmm. physically, but also spiritually. Uh, with the transatlantic friendship, we, we re rebuilt it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, if we lack something, I think it's confidence. Uh, because it is as if we're sitting on all this sort of tacit knowledge about what we have achieved, not realizing that when we have made it so far, of course we can make it even further. Uh, now having a much better capital market, a real uh, digital single market, and having an ecosystem uh, of, uh, of innovators that has changed dramatically over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. So you see a big company coming out of, because you can see them coming out of China, one after the next. You see India is investing, there's a lot mm -hmm. of really interesting innovation happening. France, there's some stuff going on yes. individually in France. But do you think the next biggest company will come out? I mean, I was thinking of a debate I did at the Oxford Union. They had U.S. people and British people talking about the next great company will come out of blank, U.S. or Britain. And so there was our side that argued it would be U.S. and why, and the British side. And because it was game, the British side won. Um, but the fact of the matter is, what came out of the U.S. was Uber, those Brit, those Oxford people, was Uber, Pinterest, what's about to go, you know, mm -hmm. Lyft, all these companies are about to go public, Airbnb, and not a European company. What will it take to get a great, important company out of Europe? A big one, I mean a large one. Well, leaving Spotify aside and some others. And leaving SAP it's aside SAP. as well, yes, yes yeah. uh, because that, those would be the two main... Yes, those are the two main ones. Well, of course, uh, it will take all the obvious that you have a brilliant product uh, because I don't think that should be underestimated. Mm -hmm. That one of the reasons why a number of these companies has been doing very well in Europe is because they have great products. They have disrupted markets that needed to be disrupted. Uh, they have uh, created innovations that we really needed. So obviously you need, first of all, a great product, but you also need fair competition which means that access to data, that no one is gaming uh, the marketplace. And that, of course, is why we need strong law enforcement. Mm -hmm. All right. Questions from the audience from Marguerite? Commissioner Vestager, sorry. Right here. Hi there. Uh, Bennett Richardson from Politico. Um, I have a question from our EU political editor, Ryan Heath, for you, Commissioner Vestager, which is, um, 
looking forward towards November. Who do you think would make an amazing next uh, commissioner for a competition? And would you have any advice for them about what they should pursue in 2020? Oh, I'm, I'm quite, I take it as a given that whomever it will be, uh, and, and you know, every member state will put on some name one, I think they should name two, a man and a woman, so that we could have a gender balanced commission. But that's another thing. I do hope that we have, uh, over the next coming months, have prepared for the next commission to take action to see if we need uh, new, sharper tools in a completely digitalized economy. Not only sort of the digital natives that we've been speaking about today, but also all the many other companies who digitalize us right now. Uh, on access to data, on uh, the role of platforms uh, in terms of innovation, to prepare for that push uh, during the next uh, mandate. And then, of course, uh, never to forget all the amazing sort of traditional industries uh, where we also need to be aware uh, of concentration. And then, of course, to work with other portfolios. Uh, because when we look outside of Europe to the global uh, marketplace, uh, we need a very strong push for fair competition. And here, tools from, uh, from trade, uh, from uh, single market tools like public procurement, a lot needs to be done. So. Just, you know, the suggestion that the work is definitely not over. On the contrary, we're in the middle of something. Um, when you think about what is unfair in other areas, was there one industry that you're most concentrated on right now? Media or...? No, what, what we see is that in the global marketplace, also, for instance, uh, state-owned uh, Chinese companies will be very active. Mm -hmm. uh, in Europe, you can, you can, of course, be a state-owned company, but the state will have to act as a market participant because otherwise it will be not fair because a private company do not have all the taxpayers to potentially pick up the bills. So you, and we're quite strict on this, you have to act as a private shareholder would act. Um, it's not a given that a Chinese state-owned company will operate uh, on the same terms. So of course we're very interested to see how can we promote this? How can the fact that Europe is open for business be mirrored in other jurisdictions also being open for business? Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, when it comes to public procurement, building bridges, roads, rails, whatever in Europe, everyone is welcome. We want the same welcome when we make our offers in, in other countries. Mm -hmm. uh, this is all outside of, of my portfolio, but I think we need that common push uh, to have a much more fair global marketplace. Are you worried about the impact of China, the active? I mean, they, they talk about it a lot in Silicon Valley is that you have the choice between us and them, like the Chinese, which have the different rules around digitization and privacy and everything else. Well, of course, I, I respect that this is, but it is a somewhat self-centered uh, choice to set up. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Uh, because I think we have in Europe a lot of things going for ourselves. Because to a very large degree, it has been we've been successful in in building societies that serve citizens and market that serves consumers, and tech that serves humans. Uh, so I don't think that this is this is a choice. But I think that for real, we should sort of, of course, reconsider what role we want to play in the global market and how we will play it. I think there's room to be more confident and maybe also somewhat more hard-nosed. Mm -hmm. Okay, next question. Right here. 
Hi, uh, my name is Elise and um, I'm a coordinator of a project that's actually funded by the EU uh, in the Creative Europe program. My question would be a bit more towards uh, the European elections coming up. And well, in this situation, we see that there's still waves of populism rising and that Europe is still a bit taken as a scapegoat for many things. So my question for you would be, what do you think um, the EU should invest more on and could like, well, obviously research and innovation be part of the solution to revive the European project, but also culture and education? Oh, but indeed, I think this is very much to the point, uh, your suggestion. Uh, and you see that reflected in our proposal for the next seven-year budget. Uh, I think the sort of the main research uh, program would be funded uh, in our proposal with uh, 100 billion euros. Uh, also uh, tripling, no, yes, tripling the number of, uh, of people who can do what we call the Erasmus Plus, which is that you can do exchange in, in other member states for studying, vocational training, also as an adult, when you want to reskill uh, yourself uh, during your, your working life. And the last part, it holds a number of different benefits. Not only do you get skills, but you also uh, you, you get new competences in a much more diverse, uh, multilingual, uh, multicultural environment. And that is part of the strength. Um, we focus a lot of sort of the business uh, side of what makes uh, societies work well. Also, exactly education, the way education is pushed for, uh, is very important. And that also we do in a different way than both the Chinese and here in the US. Uh, but exactly that combination of a you know, huge investment in, uh, in research and innovation and then having uh, culture, education uh, to follow that. How do the forces of the, the nationalism affect, even throughout Europe, even affect what you're doing? The idea that there is a one way to think of consumers, for example. What, what do you mean? How, how, does that, how has that affected your work? Has it, with, with the fracturing of the, of the coalition? Well, I'd say that um, competition laws in, enforcement is one of the things that uh, has not been met with divided views. Uh, one of the things that we have been debating a lot in Europe uh, is the question of illegal immigration, mm -hmm. uh, how to protect refugees, uh, I think as divided as in the US uh, probably. But when it comes to competition law enforcement, that has not been sort of uh, the focus People of... People feel uh, the same about privacy throughout Europe still. I think to a very large degree, yes. For most of the countries of Europe. Yes. Is there any outlier? Not in these areas, no. Not in those privacy... Privacy, data competition protection. law, no. And data protection, okay. Another question, right here. A lot of what I think is difficult about these big companies is that they're really appealing to the demand side. So you've got scale from the consumers. So we benefit from having a bigger Facebook or a bigger Google, et cetera, in the sense that our network is becoming more valuable as these companies get bigger. At the same time, we do have these concerns over our privacy so how do we as consumers need to think about the costs and benefits of being a member of these networks? And what as citizens should we be talking to our governments about as responsible stakeholders as well? That's a great question, because mm -hmm. one of the issues is whether antitrust should change in this country, whether it's, to, it, it, right now it's consumer harm. And as we all know, Amazon Prime rocks. Like, you know what I mean? And the prices are low and wow, they deliver it on time and stuff like that. So one of the issues, they just recently, the, uh, one of the subcommittees, the antitrust subcommittees in the House hired 
Lena Kahn, who has some very different thoughts about how you look at antitrust, that it isn't the consumer harm, it's the competitive harm. And in Europe, they, they, that's what they look at first, not consumer harm. So in basing it on, how, how do you, it, it, well, in this country, it's different, it is based on consumer harm, um, where you can't, you know, Google's great, you get maps, you know, Facebook is fun, I guess, for some people, um, it, because you get to meet people, or Instagram, look, I put up a story, it's all like fun and games until the bombs start dropping, as the old, as the old poem goes. So you get a lot of stuff. Like, it, there's a lot of benefits in terms of pricing, all kinds of things, delivery, convenience. What do you say to that when this is what happens? Well, I think it's, it's part of a, um, a much bigger and much more sort of fundamental conversation about what we re really value. What is the good life? I don't think it's the same thing as a convenient life. Uh, I think a convenient life can be extremely boring uh, if you're never challenged with uh, sort of any kind of the hardship of, of everyday life. Uh, and I still think that it's also an important discussion because uh, the convenient life would be wishful thinking for many people in every society still, because for them, uh, the everyday hardship is not the good life, it's just hardship. So we have a discussion both about uh, inequality, uh, inequality in opportunities, and what kind of life should you be able to live in a free and open society? And in that, uh, competition law enforcement is only a tiny part of that answer, but it is as if we're not having this discussion. We just talk about convenience. Oh, it will be convenient uh, that my fridge is always full, uh, that it's happening very fast. Right. Well, and then what? Well, you do get Cheetos in two hours. I mean. <laughs> Come on. Does it make you happy? I don't eat Cheetos. So, <laughs> no, but it does. There is certain, there is an issue. There is some... Like, I, I tell this joke all the time, but, like, in San Francisco, you see a lot of this stuff come first because it's a bunch of white guys designing for themselves, and so they're trying to make their lives as simple as possible, like, as, as convenient as... Convenient is exactly the right word. And so I always say San Francisco is assisted living for millennials um, because they get whatever they want, whether it's dry cleaning or cleaning or Cheetos in two hours or whatever. And it... it, it I'm not sure if they're happy because a lot of... We just did a podcast with a guy named Chamath Palihapitiya, who's a very well-known venture capitalist. He was talking about the idea that you're not actually happy with all this. Of course, he helped create it, so he would know, right? So it's a really interesting question, but in the speed of it, you do. The stuff you get, maps, or you get... There is a... It's hard to live without it. It's, like, it's the addictive nature of, of convenience, really. And price, yeah, too. But, but sometimes, you know, if you want to experience something new, you need to lose yourself a little. Right. You need, need to get distracted. Mm -hmm. You need to go left where you ought to go right mm -hmm. uh, in order to challenge yourself and have a new impulse and, and meet people that were not in your feed or in your bubble or in your echo chamber. Well, it's like proximity. You're, when your people are proximate to you, that's who you reflect on versus... Yes, and I think that since we're just humans, sort of our skills have now developed so that we can detect if you were uh, truthful and you really want to be with me. It's very difficult to develop that skill into the digital sphere, into social media. 
I think we don't have the same sense of who we are. Uh, so obviously, we need to insist that social media and what have we, it is something supplemented, a real democracy where we come together and disagree together mm -hmm. instead of just shouting at someone who's sitting around another campfire. Mm -hmm. Okay, the final question. Oh, here, one more quick one and then... And I have one more quick question. Hi, uh, I'm Alex, I'm a European citizen, and I'm a bit worried about the last decision that is basically blocking the merger between Alstom and uh, Siemens, so the two uh, basically big champions we do have in Europe in, for the railway industry. Uh, on the one hand, we decided to block the merger, but on the other hand, the Chinese did exactly the same as the opposite by merging their two champions and building a company which is now called CRRC, Fanon Forong. Obviously, they will come in Europe, so don't you think this decision could lead to a bad news for European companies and European workers? Well, exactly that's this question, uh, they will eventually come in Europe. It's, of course, what has been center of our analysis. Uh, because the thing is that if companies merge and you lose competition, as we would in, in mainline signaling and the very high-speed uh, trains, and the businesses, uh, the merging businesses chose not to solve that, then customers would have had to be able to turn to someone else. And in mainline signaling, when we look into the future, uh, there are no competitors. No, no one can sort of live up to the European rules for safety uh, to be um, uh, certified to do that. Uh, when it comes to very high-speed train, uh, as we speak, there are no a very high-speed train driving outside of China. So when you look five to ten years ahead, we don't see that in Europe. And that, of course, allows for two businesses who are not only European champions, but also global champions, to improve even more. So eventually, if uh, the Chinese uh, want to come out of the ch enormous Chinese uh, single market, then they will have much more power to do so. Uh, because the benefits of competition is, of course, that it keeps the companies uh, on their tooth, on their, um, well, on their feet, in order to be able to compete also globally. But, of course, you need the push to make sure that then that global competition is fair, uh, which is why exactly we need many tools from trade, from procurement, to work with us. Because when we demand of our uh, businesses to compete fairly, uh, then, of course, we need to stand up for them globally if they are being met with unfair competition. All right, last question for me. What do you think of all the things you've done, your greatest legacy is going to be in this area? Well, hopefully then that when, when you are a team, as we've been in the commission, as my services are organized, when you work together, then you can push change. Not totally not to the end, but you can contribute to something that will actually have and hopefully a lasting effect to make sure that markets serves consumers. And that's the point. All right. Commissioner Vestager. Thanks again to Marguerite Vestager for joining me on stage. And thanks to you all for listening. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please tell a friend about this show. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area, I'm doing a live podcast taping on April 2nd at the Studio Theater, focusing on AI and self-driving cars. To learn more, just go to events.recode.net slash AI. 
You can also follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. Now that you're done with this, go check out our other podcasts, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. And thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.